I heard uh, on the news or I read somewhere uh, that there might be a turkey shortage this year due to some kind of a bird flu or something. Turns out that that's uh, not the case. Turns out there are plenty of turkeys to be had. But because I'd heard that, I came home on Friday uh, a little bit early and Denise had the grandbaby. And as soon as Nick came and picked him up, we jumped in the car and we decided that we would forge our way out into the wilds of Costco on a Friday night before Thanksgiving. And we would go down and wade our way through the marauding hordes because uh, Costco's turkeys are 50 cents a pound cheaper and we needed a really big one because we're going to have a full house. And so off we went in search of our Thanksgiving turkey. Um, But it turns out Friday night, is not a, before Thanksgiving is not a bad time to go hunting for a turkey. I mean, there was nobody in the parking lot. There was no, the lines were very reasonable. We just walked in, we got our turkey, we got in the car, we went home. And so after having walked what I thought was going to be the gauntlet and having uh, just had such a fine experience, I was on my way out to the car, pushing the cart. And maybe it was because I was wrapped up in this blanket of good cheer that accompanies something turning out to be not nearly as awful as you think it was going to be, but I began thinking wonderful thoughts like Thanksgiving and family and thinking things about this week's lesson where we're going to be talking about gratitude. And as I was on my way out to the car, I saw a lady who was shopping for her family's Thanksgiving as well, and this lady had no hair. She had been clearly recovering from the effects of chemo. And I began to wonder, as I was going to the car, what her Thanksgiving was going to be like and what her family's life would be like, and would they be afraid that she was not going to be there next year, or would they be grateful that they were together for this year, and I assume maybe they would be a little bit of both. Then I began to think about the attacks that have happened in Paris this recently and the sorrow that's going on and the loss and the fear. Then I thought about the post that Chris had put up on our Facebook group of the man whose wife had died in the attacks, in the attacks, and how his revenge was going to be to live and to love with joy and with gratitude with his son. And I thought about the moms and the dads and the kids who are wandering their way through the winter as refugees from war. Time I see the picture of that child who walked up on the beach, it's just so profoundly difficult to see. I think about those who lost their loved ones on the way to Europe, and those who could lose more family members as we go through the winter. And I thought about the mothers of young black men who fear that their sons might not come home one day. And I think about the husbands and the wives of police officers who feel the same kind of fear. That's the stuff that's been in the news lately. That's the stuff that's been dominating our cultural conversation of late, and it's been pretty awful. And if you're a minister getting ready for a talk about gratitude, that does tend to complicate things. That's what we do. Each year here at NRCC, we use the moment of our national holiday to act as a reminder to bring us back to this ancient practice, this ancient spiritual discipline of gratitude. Because gratitude's important. We um, 
practice it as much more than an emotion, much more than the warm feeling that we get when things go our ways, much more than the comfort that we feel when we are not worrying about war or terror or racial conflict. Because gratitude itself is kind of a weapon. It's a different kind of weapon for a different kind of fight. It's a fight, interestingly, into which we are daily tugged by simply watching the news. Because thankfulness, gratitude, is one of the ancient paths that makes our souls strong, that revives our hearts and transforms our lives. Thankfulness, gratitude, capacitates us to rise above the responses of least resistance, which are the despair and the anger and the payback or even the apathy that happens when we are flooded the way the news has flooded us lately. Intentional gratitude is a transformative practice. It is a discipline of which our world is in particular need right now. So this morning's text directed us to gratitude. It told us to be careful not to extinguish the spark of the divine life in our souls. And then it gave us a pathway toward that end. Most of all, the text enjoined us. Stir up gratitude for what life offers you. Allow your heart to be thankful. Allow your heart to be grateful. Cicero, one of the ancient Roman philosophers, told us that it is from gratitude that all the other virtues flow into our souls. The reason that we come back to gratitude at this time of the year every year some years we do it in between as well. The reason we do that is because gratitude is a tool. It is a strategy. It is a force. It is a means toward an end. Because when we practice it, it does something to us. It pries open the dark places in our souls. It digs the darkness out of our souls. That It lets in the light and the air of goodness, the life and love of divine being. Those flow through our souls in the practice of this ancient virtue. So that when the days are dark, so that when fear or anger or vengeance or punishment are ruling the day or even ruling our own hearts, we're able to stand like the man who lost his wife in Paris stood. We're able to stand for life over death, sight over blindness, love over hatred, forgiveness over revenge. Stirring up gratitude is a tool that has been given us by our ancient tradition. It's a tool that frees our souls and frees the chains that bind us. It's a tool that strengthens us, strengthens our souls to stand against the drumbeat that just comes so often in the responses that we see these days of fear responses or hatred responses or shame or despair. And the go-to place that our hearts tend to of revenge or aggression or abuse or control. This intentional practice of gratitude elevates us out of the sucking mud through which we regularly slog when we live in this ego-driven, ego-dominated existence. 
When we watch the news, that's a lot of what we see. When we see cruelty or bitterness or bullying or desperation, we see where our reactions tend to go. They go to those hard places. The go-to places that ego as self takes human nature is very difficult not to get caught up into. We spend a lot of time talking about how our brains work and why we tend to fall into these traps, and our brains all work that way. And so that's why it is so difficult not to fall into these traps of the same kinds of emotional responses, the same kind of go-to ego patterns. And this intentional practice of stirring up gratitude that our tradition has encouraged us to take up, it helps us do that. It helps us rise above the ego practices. Well, I remembered a story I wanted to talk about. I knew I had told the story before, and I went back through, uh, did a global search on my computer of the previous Thanksgiving messages where I knew I'd done it, and I found this story from 2009 Thanksgiving. It was a study that was performed by uh, both Southern Methodist University and University of California at Davis. It was actually a whole cluster of stories, uh, a whole cluster of studies, I'm sorry. And uh, the first one took a large group of people and broke them into three groups. And over the course of a nine-month period, uh, the, the first group made a list every day of the things that hassled them. The second group made a list every day of the things that were blessings in their life. And the third group made a list of just stuff that happened, uh, just a log of the things that had happened. And the results were as you would expect them to be. The grateful people were able to rise above the slog of daily life, and they reported a marked increase in happiness. They viewed their lives much more positively, and they had fewer headaches. It had a physical effect. A fewer headaches than the control group had. They had fewer colds. They, had, they suffered less illness. And they, this was interesting, Uh, They uh, exercised about an hour and a half more per week on average than the control group did. They got more sleep than the other groups. Uh, Grateful people began to elevate their quality of life. And as I said, it was a series of studies, and several of those things, several of them were meta-studies that looked at many together, and they showed that people who exercise intentional gratitude become more optimistic and enthusiastic and determined. They actually become more interested in their own lives and so consequently are able to translate that kind of interest into the lives of those around them. They become a group much more likely to go out on a limb on behalf of someone else than the control group was able to. They also found that they drink less alcohol. They take fewer aspirins. The grateful group, as opposed to the control group, was able to think more clearly, have, have a more resilient response in the midst of tough times, They begin to have healthier immune systems in their bodies. They were able to, because one of these was a meta-study that looked over these several studies, they saw that those people who practiced intentional gratitude live longer. They have closer family ties, and they experience deeper satisfaction even with their religion. So this stuff happens, but what is happening? Well, looking at it from one angle, we can say what's happening is what the ancient wisdom told us would happen. That gratitude strengthens the soul. Gratitude revives the heart. The saints and our sages from all generations have come back to this theme with recurrence. Gratitude helps us tap into the divine life, the full life, the abundant life. 
But the saints and sages also taught us that to stir up gratitude is a chore. It requires work on our parts because it's a hassle. It's a hassle to do this with intentionality. And I will tell you this, it is not difficult to be grateful. It is difficult to get our brains to go to a place on a regular basis where we are grateful. That's the difficult thing. So it's difficult to remember to have pen and paper nearby, or it's difficult to have a reminder set each week to help us think about the things that we're grateful. It's difficult and it's demanding to form new thought habits. That is difficult. When we do the demanding work of stirring up gratitude, we elevate our lives. We access the divine. So when Moses was near the end of his life, reflecting on where he and the people of Israel had been and reflecting on where they would be going without him, he stood before them and he said this, Life and death are set before you. Choose life. Life and death are set before you. Choose life. And our tradition gives us a way to do that. Choose life. Live deeply. Choose to access the deeper life and not be carted away by the lower, the more base ways of being alive. Don't be dead even while you're still living. Choose life. One of the ways that we do that is by bringing intentionality to the practice of gratitude. It is one of the more powerful ways we do it. That's why we come back year after year. Because, as Cicero said, gratitude is a parent virtue. It has children. And the children are the other virtues that begin to blossom in our lives. Now, your life and my life and our collective lives as a society, this, these are not naturally thankful places. So the world tends not to be this thankful place because of the way that our collective brains are wired. When we start to go up against the, the idea of not being grateful, when we bring intentional gratitude into our lives, we are going to face some pretty severe headwinds. And so consequently, we need some kind of a triggering mechanism to help us do what we would not instinctively, what we would not naturally do. Triggers like the holiday that comes around once a year and says, okay, let's not make it just about turkey. Let's also make sure that we get to the core of what the point was and make gratitude part of our lives. Reminders in our calendars are another trigger, things that we do. So how about this? I suggest this each year because I try and do this each year. How about you write a letter this year? Before you finish the holiday season, you write a letter to someone to whom you are grateful, toward whom you are grateful. You might want to write a letter and say to someone how they have blessed your life. Tell that person how thankful that you are that they are on the planet. But do it for them, but also do it for yourself. Do it as a way of stirring that posture in your life. Another trigger that you might use is to calendar a reminder to make a list. And maybe you do that on a weekly basis, maybe you do it on a monthly basis. A list of people for whom you are grateful. A list of things that have encouraged you along the way. A list of circumstances that have taught you or have shaped you. Maybe you might want to make a list 
Because one of the enemies of gratitude is the way that our brains work. Gratitude fades over time because we tend to get habituated to everyday life. There is something about something that we've done or experienced or assessed or attained that goes into the background landscape of our days. And when that happens, we tend to simply take them for granted, even if they are good things. Now, again, our brains do that as a way of clearing out processing space so that we can live the life that we need to live. So thank God that our brains do that. It is a survival strategy, and you and I have survived, and our ancestors before us survived. So thank God our brains do that. But the flip side of that, the downside of that is that because our brains do that, those things that are rich and wonderful in our lives don't become a part of our everyday conscious life. We fail to notice the good things that make up our lives. That's why we have to be intentional. We're struggling against the nature of our own brains. Think about this. When is the last time that you were thankful for good dental care? Because most of us take dentistry for granted. The part of the exercise of intentional gratitude requires some imagination. So imagine that you had an infected tooth and you did not have access to dentistry. Imagine what goes on in that context. So stirring up gratitude reframes our perceptions. It takes us out of the place that we always see, and it moves us over here to see from a different angle. We usually live in the, the dentist is part of the background landscape of my life perception framework, And now we move over to tier two, oh my God, I have a dentist. And that dentist fundamentally transforms the way my life is shaped. We move perceptions from here to here. So reframing perceptions fundamentally changes who we are as people. It helps us see the gifts that everyday normal life has granted us. And in so doing, what gratitude does is it nudges us awake from this slumber into which our brains will regularly take us. It helps us see what we would so easily miss. And this is work. Make no mistake about that. Getting your brain to see from another angle is demanding, and it is difficult. It creates this push where we have to take the go-to place in our brain, stand outside of it, and be able to see from this angle to see all of life's goodness. Of course, we see life's darkness, but we bring balance to that when we see life's goodness. Gratitude helps us. One of the things that gratitude helps us do is to turn on our savoring receptors. It helps us appreciate what is before us. Uh, As part of the the podcast that I'm doing on sex education, uh, one of the things that I'm talking about is just waiting in general. And even though this part isn't talking about sex, I do it just in terms of possessions. When we get whatever we want to get, and we get it whenever we want to get it, it's not long before we stop savoring the things that we get. There is something about the waiting. There's something about the delaying that makes us appreciate the things that we have. And that's true in terms of the purchases we make. It's it's true in terms of our sexual experiences. And it's true in terms of just being able to navigate gratitude. So we learn how to appreciate things. We learn to honor the significant events that have shaped us. We learn how to cherish the significant people who have blessed us. And sure enough, do that long enough, and it begins to change your brain chemistry. Do that long enough, and it begins to change 
who you are and how you see life. Pretty soon, it's just as easy for you to stand over here in this vantage point from perception as it is to stand in this vantage point of perception. The virtue of gratitude begins to have children in our lives in the form of the other virtues. But again, intentional gratitude is not figuring into our world these days. Fear is. Intentional gratitude is not taking prominence in our world today. Hatred is, and division, and resentment. Because right now, open hearts are closing. Right now, open hands are becoming fists. Many people are closing themselves off to the other. And so, as happens during times of fear, enclaves are forming. Us against them. Which makes, when that is normalized, which makes intentional gratitude a kind of civil disobedience. Because when the whole world is standing, pushing us toward outgrouping, when the whole world is pushing us toward otherizing, when we begin to work on intentional gratitude, it becomes an act of defiance. Rebellion against the fear that closes hearts is fostered when we practice gratitude. It is resistance to the collective ego as self strategies that are washing over us right now every time we turn on the news. It is a refusal, the practice of intentional gratitude. It is a refusal to accept the lesser life, the ego life. It is the refusal to go along with the more base instincts that are wired into our brains. It is a refusal to go down that lesser path. Intentional gratitude stands in opposition to the lesser life. Intentional gratitude fights and struggles and will not surrender to the order of the day. Moses is standing before you and before me during these tumultuous times, telling you and me the life and death are set before us. Moses is encouraging you and encouraging me life, and intentionally taking up this ancient virtue, the parent of so many other virtues, is the powerful way that we cast our vote. I choose life. I stir gratitude intentionally within my heart. So I'm going to give you a quiet moment. Go ahead, close your eyes. This is a private moment for you to be with your thoughts, but I want to encourage you to not go away this morning without making some kind of a plan. Maybe it would be the things that I've mentioned. Maybe it would be writing a letter or calendaring a reminder for making a note. Maybe it would be a list of the good things of life. Maybe it's something as simple as creating a standing question at your dinner table. What was good that happened in your life today? So go ahead and I'll give you 30 seconds and you think about what you might do about gratitude. Lord, may we be stirred in this ancient practice. May we be awakened to the divine rhythm that is in and around us. May we be people who see from the perspective of gratitude.
appreciation, contentedness. May we be stirred into this ancient pathway this week, during these holidays, and really in the natural rhythm of our lives. May this be the way that we live. In Jesus' name.